Hello, and welcome to The Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about how to conference. Yeah, and maybe even weather to conference. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it is a common topic on the show here that uh, we say how you know authorities need to write and speak. Those are the two things they need to mm-hmm. do with regularity to maintain their authority status. So they're the, the go-to person for a particular thing. And for a variety of reasons that, in, in our opinion, requires writing, you know, published writing and and speaking. And speaking can take all different kinds of forms. I think these days podcasting is the best bang for the buck. But uh, certainly speaking at conferences and attending conferences years ago was huge for my business. That was where I landed probably all my big enterprise clients was walking off stage and and people running up to me and being like, we need to talk. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so it was a major piece of my, I didn't know it at the time. It was a marketing strategy. I was blind to that at the time. I was just like, I know I need to write books and speak at conferences because that's what Chris did and it worked for him and it's going to work for me and it did work for me. So <laughs> it's actually pretty, it's pretty simple in, in terms of it's not complicated. It's hard to write a book and it's a pain to fly all over the place and, you know, all the deal with all the stuff and the food and the, you know, all the things. So it's kind of a, an expensive thing to do, uh, but it absolutely works. I've seen it work plenty of times. Mm-hmm. It's part of the authority model. It's just a question of what's the best combination for you, like mm-hmm. for your expertise, for your ideal audience, and for how you want to live and work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a bunch of a number of students in my Slack um, have been going back. So either attending conferences or speaking at conferences in person, uh, some remote, some international, some not. So it seems to be kind people are kind of like, for whatever reason, they're like, yeah, I'm sick of not speaking at conferences. I need to get out of the house, whatever the reason is. <laughs> um, it's just been cropping up a lot lately. So we thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about that on the show and kind of think it through, maybe give some tips and tricks and pointers to how to maximize the experience because it is so expensive to do in terms of time and money. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's time and money and uh, energy, I think. I think if you're doing conferences, whether you're speaking or you're attending, there's a certain amount of energy you have to put into it um, to be good, much less to be great and to reap something from your investment. So it's definitely, it can be a time suck if you're not careful. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. I mean, have you ever gone to a conference and come, you know, like just as an attendee and come back and be like, well, that was a waste. (laughs) yeah i mean it's been a while since i felt that because i'm so careful now about what i'll go to but yeah Mm -hmm. you come back and you go really i just Mm -hmm. spent two days of my life in that right um but sometimes and this is the you know the part where you have to sort of close your eyes and go yes this is going to work out where you did all the prep you did what you believed made strategic sense and tactical sense for you you did all that nothing happened today but maybe something will happen a month from now, a quarter from now, a year from now, from that event. Mm-hmm. And so then I don't feel so bad, right? It's like as long as I feel like I did my very best with what I had to do, then then I'm okay with it. You know, right. I, I, I placed my bets and I won or lost, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, can, I can definitely, I can think of examples right off the top of my head where as soon as I got there, I was like, this was a mistake. Like, like you see the place, you see the, the size of the room 
um, um, and, and I'm talking about speaking too. Like this isn't mm-hmm. just attending. Like speaking, you get there and you're like, this this was a mistake. This was yeah, not, you know. And those I think all of those happened to me when I was in the when I was in, sort of on the circuit. I usually say it's like every month I was going somewhere pretty much. Like at least you know ten times a year, maybe twelve times a year, I was flying somewhere. And and so when things came through, especially if they were paid, I would pretty much just say yes. I wasn't too picky about it. Um, and then I would get there and you know, immediately think like this, this was, I should have been, <laughs> I should have known like that this yeah. was my, my people. And then on the yeah. flip side, I did, you know, we're recording this in 2022. I did a conference in 2015 that was exactly, exactly my target market for hourly billing is nuts and like the, that kind of, and people still, I still keep in touch with people I met there. It's, it was like, it was I wouldn't say it was huge, but it was obviously beneficial, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. And I would say the difference between those two things was the audience. Like the 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 waste of time one was really not my audience. It was a stretch. Like the organizer, I, I don't remember specifically, but I'm sure what happened was the organizer reached out to me. It was probably some prestigious name the conference was. And I didn't understand why they like why me though like what is like <laughs> who's gonna be there i always ask like what's you know what is right who's the audience what do they want and the, you know and if and i'm sure if the person told me accurately and when i got there i'm like these are not my people for sure these are not my people yeah and, um so i, I want i just sort of thinking out loud like the it seems to me that if you were deciding what conference to attend or speak or just appear at you know go to that's probably a pretty good indicator of whether or not it might be useful. You know, it's not just like, and I suppose this is kind of obvious when you say it out loud, but as a speaker, there's a certain ego thing where you're like, oh, these people want me to speak. They're going to pay. I might as well do it. Uh, But then you get there and you're like, and the money, it's like the money, I was never making money where it was worth it on its own. Mm -hmm. Right. So you always needed to get some kind of beneficial, either marketing juice out of it, some kind of a video out of it, some kind of client work or leads or something. The money was right. nice, but it wasn't huge. And and you always wanted to get like, you always wanted like the halo effect to happen afterwards. So, well, yeah. yeah. And sometimes you, you know, you want a notch on your belt for your, yes, I spoke at the XYZ conference, but I had a client once who, um, he was very clear and he had a group of contractors that he worked with and that was his business model. So he had to keep them busy, basically. Mm-hmm. So, because that's how he made money. It was on the spread between what he charged the client and what they did. So he was in fairly hefty demand as a speaker. It was really good. Um, and I, I'm trying to remember, I think it was it was between ten and 15,000 at the time that he was commanding. And he said, look, if I don't get a couple of leads from that, it makes no sense for me to be there. I can right. make more money out, you know, in the world, getting this work and building my business. So he would do, you know, three, maybe four a year and very, very carefully curated who's going to be there. How are they going to use this? And, you know, and he, he, made it very strategic. This is what I'm going to do. And I think what happens is when you first start to get asked to speak, you just go, yes, yes, I will. Yes, yes. Can you do this in um, in um, Africa? Yes, yes, I will be there. <laughs> and then I, I had a, a client who was asked to speak in India and he was so excited. The budget was minuscule, hmm. minuscule. And they wanted to pay for um, uh, economy travel. 
as a long flight from New York. Okay, yeah. and so he, you know, he did it, but it took him uh, three days, I guess, of travel. Um, the conference um, recovery from an injury that happened. While he was there. <laughs> and I mean, it's just one of those things where you know he just wanted to do it, and there's nothing wrong with that. Just right, know, just know that you want to do it, and that you're not doing it for some other reason. Right. Yeah, just know that you feel like going on an adventure. Yeah, right. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But you know, it is expensive, so you need to like you need <laughs> to weigh that and and just I, yeah, just be conscious of it. Um, but let's let's talk about attendees as an attendee. So conference comes up. Under what circumstances do you think you would recommend to you know somebody in authority nation or something like that who's saying like ah, there's this conference. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's, you know, it's, it's this new target market that I'm trying to pivot into. I haven't got a lot of connections, so I want to go there and meet as many people as I can, or, um, maybe meet some speakers, maybe find, find an organizer, shake their hand, maybe, maybe to lay the groundwork for speaking there next year. What, what would, what are some of the considerations you would, or questions you would ask someone who is considering doing something like that? Well, you know, the first one is always, you know, who's going to be there. So I would really want to drill down on, you know, is there a match between this new pivot and the people that are at this conference? And not just, oh, yeah, they're in that industry, but are they at the right job level? Are they... Uh, you know, are they your people like really understand? And sometimes you're not sure, but you ought to be able to get a relatively good feel for it. And then I think the other thing is that um, I would I would ask the person some questions about how they're going to interact with people. So let's say that you are a real introvert. OK, you have to be willing to put yourself out there in that conference in a way that you're going to meaning meaningfully interact with the people that you want. And that I'm not saying that you have to turn yourself into an extrovert for three days because mm-hmm. you do have to manage your energy. Right. You're going to yeah, have to go so. away and, you know, and recoup. But you have to be willing to put yourself out there because if you're going to travel a thousand miles and then sit in your hotel room for most of the conference, <laughs> you know, that's not going to work. Um, and then I think the other thing is that I encourage people to really think about how they can differentiate themselves at a conference like that. So if you assume this is your target market, you're not going to be the only person trying to sell to them. Right. There's going to be plenty of other people. They may not be in your space, but they might be. So you really have to work on what's the story that you're going to tell about why you're here. And I like to think creatively about how to make an impression when you do connect with people where, mm. where you've got some engagement. And it can be everything, anything from um, having a branded something in your hand that you give them. And I don't mean a pen. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, if, if business <laughs> card. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it yeah. absolutely could be. Um, it could be a, um, I, I've used a kind of four by six sized card to take notes on. And it's branded on one side and it's blank on the other. And so sometimes when we're talking about something, I'll jot something down and hand it to them. So it doesn't mm-hmm. look like a business card. It it doesn't get lost so oh, that's easily. That's a good one. That's a yeah. good one. Yeah. Yeah, you can do things like that. Another thing, I, this tends to be more with speakers than attendees, but I love it when we create a, a very specific URL for that conference. And so here's an example. So let's say you have 
um, you've spoken, I'm going to jump ahead to speaking at a conference. You've spoken at a conference, you... Uh, you did a talk, you had some slides, and maybe you mentioned some kind of a freebie that you offer. Well, you can use a the URL in your presentation if you make it really simple, or maybe a QR code on a on a piece of paper somewhere, um, you know, like on a business card that sends them to that specific page mm-hmm. on your site where they can download the slides or they can get a freebie that you've promised them, you know, whatever. And you can do that as an attendee as well. You just have the URL or the QR code put on your, on your business card. Yeah. I I just had a student go to a big conference, uh, and sorry, he, he actually, um, presented remotely. There's actually a a good story for this, for the audience too. But, um, and so what I said to him, and I used to do this as well, um, is when you get to, if you're going to do Q and a at the end, don't go to a slide that just says questions, go to the slide that has the link to the freebie. So like leave that slide up or maybe it'd be a picture of your book or um, or like a short code to go to free email course or, you know, your workbook or something. Leave that slide up so people can take pictures of it with their phone because that's what they do and and they can go to it later. Or they can go to it right then and you just leave it up the whole time the Q&A is going on. So if anybody's like bored with the question or it doesn't apply to them or whatever, but they're still sort of trapped in the room then they can start exploring like the link to the free stuff that you that you have up on the screen. And, and then when they do eventually download the slides later, make sure it's in PDF format so they can just like click right on the thing and it'll, you know, in their computer and it'll, or phone and it'll open up anyway. So yeah, um, but I'm super, I don't want people to think that, that either one of us thinks that it's a good thing to be real salesy in a, in a talk. So those are awful. Those kinds of talks are awful. It's really just like, yeah, I, you know, I'll say something at the end, like, Hey, you know, if, if you want to learn more about value pricing or how to apply it to your business, you can go to this free email course. Anyway, I'm going to take questions now. And like, I zoom right over it and I let the slide do the job. Yeah. Anyway. yeah it's kind of like you want to be as close to a Ted talk as you can get with these kinds of things. And then, you know, just add that at the end. And they're all kinds of visual and tangible. If you're just like mingling with people, tangible cues that you can use to reinforce your message without coming across like, hi, I'm Rochelle Moulton. Let me tell you what I can do for you. Right. There's so many ways to do this that, you know, the sky's the limit. Mm -hmm. But so we're so excited about the speaking stuff. Let's jump back to attendees, right? So conferences coming up, you ask a bunch of questions of, you know, if you're coaching someone on, on maximizing their attendance at a conference, um, it, it's, you know, how are you going to present your, you know, are these the right people? Are these your buyers? Right. I think that's pretty important. Um, how are you going to present yourself? How are you going to be different? Not only from your competitors who might be there, but from everyone else who is trying to get in front of these people, what is going to, what's your value proposition? How do you say it very Mm -hmm. quickly? How do you, you know, I, I love your four by six index card idea. That's great. That's such a good one. Um, but how are you going to connect with these people in a way that is, is durable and isn't these sort of ephemeral, Hey, nice to meet you. See you later. Bye. Um, one, one of the, one of the things that has been, I, it was a dramatic difference for me, uh, was when conferences started having like their own Slack room or hashtag mm-hmm. f- on Twitter or LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. And you can start to, you can, I don't know. I find it much easier to remember people when, when it's a combination of 
of meeting them in person, but also face with a name on social media or LinkedIn or, or Slack or something. Um, it's I don't know why, but but it helps me get the entire context sort of attached to their face in my mind. And uh, and the the conferences where there's an active chat on your phone somewhere of the attendees or the speakers or some combination it has always led to the, the longest term relationships uh, I've found because it's, you, you know how to get in touch, but you've also met in person. So there's like a depth to the connection. Yeah. There's that multimedia, you know, you're getting it from a barrage from different places. I mean, the big picture way to deal with that is to plot your own conference strategy. Right. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to do this and engaging in a social media hashtag conversation is a really good one. Um, I also like to connect with people on LinkedIn specifically. Twitter, I will. But there's something about LinkedIn that's more personal. It's uh, I don't know. It just it feels you know more professional. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will. Um, I will, you know, like a dog with a bone when I'm done with a conference, I'll go through the list of everybody that I liked, not everybody that I met, but everybody that I liked. And they don't even have to have anything to do with my business. I mean, sometimes they're just really interesting people. And so I want to connect with them. So I mean, I think that's the first thing is to really think about how do you want to do this? And, you know, I like to focus on people with whom I resonate. Mm-hmm. And so that means that, you know, we clicked on some level and it could be that, I don't know, we both love rescue dogs or <laughs> it could be that we both really care about, you know, the business of authority. I just, right. it depends. And so I just, I urge people to be open to those connections because you never know where they're going to take you. And I like your your suggestion as well, where you're interacting with them in in sort of in a multi-dimensional way. Yeah. You've met them, you had a conversation. By the way, I take notes right after I've talked with them so I don't forget something that feels important. Because mm-hmm. after a while, you know, if you talk to 50 people over three days, that you know, the the details can blur. So, you know, I want to get those kinds of things down too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're actually glossing over a main point here. We're we're not talking about like make sure you go to all the talks. You know, (laughs) what's the conference for? It's for meeting people, right? It's for, it's for, it's a chance to take advantage of the massive bandwidth communication that in, you know, IRL represents. You're just getting a massive amount of information that you're never going to get from a Zoom call. You're never going to get from a, you know, from a, from a chat room, you know, so you, you've got this opportunity to really quickly, probably the fastest possible way to connect with people that you resonate with and to, and to not, you know, just sort of like, I guess to, just to find the people who you're going to resonate with most quickly. And, um, I want to say deeply, it's like, there's, there's something about, I, I sort of, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir. It's like something about meeting people in person is like a, a quicker, faster, deeper connection if you do resonate yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of obvious when you say it out loud, but you know, it's it's like if you don't want to meet people and create relationships, conferences are out. Like there's no. Yeah, if you're not good in person, yeah, I'd stick to speaking at conferences versus attending them, and you're yeah. going to get more out of them because then you have a job, mm-hmm. right? When you're a speaker at a conference, you know what your job is. It's really clear and it's simple. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're an attendee, you still have a job, but not everybody recognizes that. And so mm-hmm. I think part of this is, you know, when I said to really plot your conference strategy, look for 
those opportunities that um, that are presented by the breakout groups, by the sessions themselves. I mean, I'm thinking of one I went to, uh, I think three years ago, they had this section, it was a special lunch for women. And I'm like, really, we need a special lunch. But it turns out, as I was looking at the attendee list, it was 90% male. Hmm. So I, I signed up for that lunch. I met some really interesting women. And the funny part was that because there were only 10% women, we kept recognizing each other. And there were, yeah. you know, like 3,000 people at wow. this thing. And so I felt like like I had these anchors, like, oh, hi, Sarah, good to see you. You know, And we yeah. would just like nod at each other. But it's, it, and it sounds like such a small thing, although I did develop relationships with some of them. But um, when you're in a conference like that, and in this case, it was a group of people I really didn't know. And it just keeps your energy flowing. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, I belong here. I have something to to contribute. Um, I have something to learn. You know, this is great. Um, And the other thing is to really be aware of, uh, not be aware, be on the lookout for opportunities for serendipity. So at, at one conference, I accidentally discovered my best strategy, my best tactic for the whole conference. And there was, a, you know, everybody has to recharge their phones at some point, right? So yeah. I found this bench. This is a hotel. And it was a comfortable, pretty little bench, um, big enough for like two people to sit, you know, uh, comfortably apart, right? Uh-huh. And so, and you could plug in your phone. So I plugged in my phone and I'm sitting there. Inevitably, somebody would plop themselves down. <laughs> plug their phone in and we'd start talking because what else do you do when your your phone's charging, right? <laughs> so I had some of the best conversations on that bench. I was like, that was my bench. That's funny. Yeah. So, I mean, you just have to find, every conference will have some of those kinds of opportunities. You know, you just sort of have to trip over them sometimes. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah, I've got a, a, you, you made me, you said the word breakout and that reminded me of a, a couple of conferences I've been to. They would allow the attendees to sign up on like a big whiteboard to present their own on their own topic in like these meeting rooms that were just around the sort of lobby area or the common area. Mm. So anybody could just like sign up on the board and, you know, and, and I, we, I remember doing this once um, where, you know, it was a, a, a Dave Canada who made JQ Touch going way back. And I both went to a conference at MIT. I can't remember what it might have been a jQuery conference. And we were like, so there's a bunch of JavaScript people there for sure. Um, and we weren't, it's one of the, I, well, actually, maybe we did speak. I can't remember. I don't think we did. I think I think we just wanted to meet in person. We went to this thing. There was a bunch of luminaries. Um, I could list off names. There was like a bunch of famous JavaScript people. That, and it was small, so we got to meet them and, and sort of develop relationships there. But Dave was like, let's do one of these breakout rooms. And I was like, ah, that's a great idea. So he just wrote the subject, you know, like JQ touch, you know, mobile web development, like everything, you know, and we got like 10 people to come in and we sort of tag teamed because he was kind of the front end designer. I was kind of the back end JavaScript stuff. And it was, uh, it was really cool. Like, and it felt, I don't think anything specifically came of it, but it was really good practice for giving what became kind of like my basic talk about about that going forward and we got live q a from people you could sort of judge the level of interest Mm -hmm. you know it was like clearly a a reasonably high level of interest in this group of people these kinds of people so that if i was just if i was like just attending a conference um yeah i would find out if there's an opportunity for doing your own presentation like a 30-minute presentation in a breakout room 
or you also mentioned another one, uh, these sort of birds of a feather lunches. Yes. Where, yeah. Yeah. Where, where you can, you can sort of like, um, you don't want to like be salesy, of course. Like the, the, there's always that tightrope thing. It's like, what, you know, go to the table. Like you said, you've got something in common and it's going to give you something to connect with. So I, I don't know what that would be at different conferences. I've certainly done it before. I'm having a hard time remembering what the subjects might have been, probably like mobile development, um, responsive web design, you know, technical stuff where you'd sit down and there'd be people who were, you know, like just super curious about it. Some people would be experts at the table. Some people would just be curious. And it's exactly the kind of thing that you would want from a conference kind of scenario. Yeah. I used to um, speak, oh God, all the time at at a series of conferences for HR people. And they would do um, some breakouts for by profession. So if you were a compensation person, you could go to, you know, room A. And if you're a benefits person, you could go to room B. If you're a development person, you go to room C. And, you know, so anytime there were those opportunities, I would grab at those. And I think the other thing that your story illustrates is that a lot of us, when we first start doing this, we're like, well, I want to be the keynote. That's my, uh, that's my, I want to be the keynote. But the interesting thing is keynote's great. It's a great way to make money, right? And to get a good visibility provided you're in front of the right audience. But what happens when you do those smaller sessions is one, they're smaller. Two, they tend, so they tend to be more intimate. They tend to be much more informal about asking questions. So you're going to get the kind of feedback that you got right? Where you're testing something and you can see which things land and which things don't. And they get to see you in action versus simply on a podium doing a speech. Right. It's more interactive. Yeah. If your goal is to get clients, you will be better served doing that than being on the keynote in many cases, not all, but many. Well, especially if the keynote's out of reach. So yeah. 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 Cool. So I've got a couple of other attendee things. We don't probably don't have to talk about them too much. But uh, another thing that that I've seen people do, I've never done this guerrilla style, but I have done it sort of in a sanctioned way. But so like, let's say there's a big conference coming up and and your ideal buyers are going to be there. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a it's a Monday through Wednesday. You can piggyback a workshop. So like you could you, you don't even need a ticket mm-hmm. to the conference. You can just get a room yeah. in a hotel and and yeah, reach out to people in advance and say, hey, the day before, like the Sunday night or whatever, I'm doing a kind of like a webinar, but in person. So right. it could be a, it could be a two hour workshop or it could be uh, some kind of hands on demo. Of maybe you've got a software platform that these people would like, uh, but some kind of, you know, maybe dr- you drop some bank on a suite and bring in some food and drinks or whatever and say hey you know like special invitation can only fit 20 people in the presidential suite because i'm a baller (laughs) i'm in the presidential (laughs) suite and i can only fit 20 people um i think you would be a perfect attendee or i think you'd get a lot out of this for these reasons and you just try and fill that room and you know obviously it's a free thing but you know you'd have some kind or you could theoretically you could even make it a paid thing you could make it a public paid thing and just capitalize on the fact that all of these, you know, let's say designers are going to be in town for, you know, starting for for uh, a thing that's starting on Monday. And you say, hey, you're getting in on Sunday. I'm going to be giving a, a 90 minute workshop on responsive web design in the presidential suite of the hotel. You click here to RSVP, food and drinks are on me, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. huh, OK. And it's three, 300 bucks, 500 bucks. 
And I've, certainly conferences will do this in a sort of sanctioned way where the, the sessions are going to be whatever Monday through, you know, Tuesday through Thursday. And then on Monday, they've got paid workshops that they organize, but there's nothing stopping you from doing that on your own. You just need to, you know, reach out to people, make them aware of it, make clear what the value right. proposition is and whether it's free or paid. Uh, but I've heard many, many stories of that being very, like a very good thing. Yeah, I used to, again, going back to when I was doing um, things for Fortune 500 companies, um, I would do a thing um, usually before the beginning of a conference. And I would get, and I like your use the word uh, 20, because um, it was usually between 10 and 20 people. And I'd get them at a dinner where we would have, we'd have one of two things. We'd either have a round table facilitated discussion about a topic, or we would bring in someone, usually an author who mm. wrote a book that we you know we thought was particularly interesting and then like I would moderate that discussion but the the author was kind of the guest of honor and of course it was free because these were either clients or people we wanted to be clients and they had to be you know you couldn't send an emissary so we, we would be going after <laughs> usually the vice president of human resources right so you couldn't send your your number two you had to yeah. come yourself and you know so there's a lot of things you can do and it gives you a way to demonstrate your particular brand of authority whether that's around strategy or whether it's around some innovation or technology i mean there's a lot you can do with this Mm, you, you just triggered another memory that went very well for me and I think the other the organizers and the other people on the panel uh, where it was kind of in my transition phase between between like tech consulting and mobile strategy and uh, and and I was starting to become known for this hourly billing is nuts stuff and so so I was at a tech conference presenting a tech thing and someone invited me it was actually a podcast host who was there and you know in the community and it was like what if we did? a panel discussion where it was like, you know, you argue against hourly, we get someone else, I'll find someone else who argues for hourly and we'll have like a, you know, a, a few different people. And just like you said, it was like a panel discussion and it mm -hmm. was standing room only in that, in that place. <laughs> it was like, there must've been- We love a debate. Oh yeah. It was like, it was probably a hundred people jammed into a room for 75. It was, people were out in the hallway. It was great. And uh, yeah, and it was just, I don't think it, I think it was just kind of spontaneous. I don't, I don't think there was, it was not sanctioned in any way. I don't know how we got the room, but uh, it was a long time ago, but you know, so my brain is a little foggy on it, but I remember it was like <laughs> super casual. I don't even think we had mics or anything. I think we were just sitting in, in front of the room, like talking loud. Uh, so that, that's just another idea. Like if you don't have a workshop to present, you don't have a New York Times author to, to wheel in, you know, have a have a panel discussion, like debate both sides of a of a thing, you know, and it, even if very few people show up, you're going to create a relationship with the panelists, right, as the facilitator. Well, that's a That's another, you know, a sidebar of that is when you are pitching an idea to speak to a conference about when you pitch a panel, usually your odds are going to go way up of getting it accepted because if you've got a, an interesting panel, so it's not just one person's point of view, you get some, if not a debate, you at least get some dialogue and some differing opinions and you can show the conference organizers that by who you put on your proposed panel. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fun cool. stuff. So one last idea, if you are an attendee and I've seen this, I've seen home runs from this a number of times where you, you sort of, you see the conferences coming up, you know, it's for your target audience. And there are a bunch of 
a bunch of speakers who are like luminaries in the space, very well known in the space. Uh, they're easy to get in touch with. They're going to the conference with at least part of their brain is like in marketing self-promotional mode or they probably wouldn't be doing it because it's so expensive and time consuming to speak at a conference. Uh, they're, they're at least trying to spread the message, right? So they want that amplified. They want their investment in this trip amplified as much as possible. So if you have a podcast or mm -hmm. even a blog and you reach out in advance, you know who the speakers are. It probably has their LinkedIn right on the conference website. And you say, hey, I'm the host of The Business of Authority. We saw that you know your new book is just the perfect topic for our audience. Um, I'm putting together 15-minute interviews at the hotel at you know, blah, 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 2022. And I would love it if I could get, you know, 15 minutes of your time, just talk right into a mic. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be real formal, but I want to uh, get your thoughts, talk about your talk and, you know, and then I'll promote it on my show or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's an easy yes. Easy yes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then you, you can, boom, meet 10, 20 of like the most connected, successful people in the space and then keep in touch with them. You know? Yeah, exactly. So anyway, yeah, I I think that I've seen that one work time and time again because you're 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 in alignment with what they're there for. And the other thing, this theme that we've kind of hit without maybe saying the words, is that this is about engaging people. And that's what's so great about in person is that it is easier to engage than in email or even on a Zoom. It's just different. That three-dimensional aspect is different. And so it's just finding ways to engage and then carry that engagement forward to something else. And so when you think about what are the things that are going to give you the biggest bang for building that relationship, it will be things like doing interviews. It will be things like a small group where you talk about something very specific. Um, it, it might be a a one-to-one -one conversation at the phone charging bench, you know, it's looking for those opportunities to engage and then carrying it forward. That's how you become successful at attending conferences versus speaking at them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So moving on to speaking, Oof, I don't know. I, this is almost <laughs> like a whole other episode. Uh, well, I think maybe one question that might be going through listeners' minds is, okay, I'm not well known enough yet for people to come and ask me to speak. So where do I, or how do I decide like which conferences I should pitch myself to? Because a lot of these just want content, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can put a good proposal together and your website backs it up, you're in, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you decide? Like yeah. when, when do you do it and, and should conferences, speaking at conferences be part of your strategy? Okay, good, good, good. So, so let's, let's focus in on how do you decide which ones matter first. And this, this is actually one of the things that, that I coach people to do when they're exploring a new target market. Um, if you can find a conference that targets the same sort of segment of the population that you want to serve there's almost definitely enough people in it for you to make a living, right? Like if there's a conference for it, that's been mm, around. Good point. And yeah. And, and a lot of times the conference has been in business long enough that they know the right words to use to resonate with your audience. So, you know, sometimes, you know, for example, I don't know if I should call my ideal buyer 
the founder or the managing partner or the CEO? Like, what's the most common? Like, what do they think of themselves mm-hmm. as? Well, go to the conference website for the people that go and see what they say because they're probably right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you can actually yeah. take some cues. And then you're like, okay, this conference, which appears to be the kinds of people who are, would be my ideal buyers in this new market, thinks they're called managing partners. So then I would go to LinkedIn and search for managing partners in the vertical, like whatever it is, like, you know, whatever, uh, CPA firms. And then I would start connecting with them and say, hey, have you ever gone to Connections 2020 or, well, in the past, have you ever gone to Connections? Uh, I'm thinking about going. I don't know if that's the best one to go to, but I'm looking to connect with people like you and just start a conversation, you know, in a really chill way, in a legitimate way, because you're really trying to find out mm-hmm. who who goes to this. Is this one just a trade show that's just full of spam kind of stuff, you know, just like just constant pitches everywhere? Are the talks actually good? Are people just there to get their continuing education credits? Are they actually interested in the content? Does anybody go there for for meta reasons like running your firm instead of just like learning the new regulations for, you know, mm-hmm. you know, this year from the federal government, you know, is it about, is it about your craft or is it more about your business? Um, for someone like me, I would like, if there was like a freelancing conference and they were just a design conference and they were just going to talk about how to use, I don't know, Figma then I'd be, or illustrator, I'd be like, eh, I'm probably not going to go. But if they do talk about running a freelance business or being a freelancer and being more successful, then I'd be like, okay, this might be worth going to. Uh, anyway, so the, the idea is you find a conference website, either either um, you actually find it, you search around and you find it, or you connect with ideal buyers, or maybe you reach back out to past clients that you really liked, and you're like, what conferences have you gone to mm-hmm. that you thought were really good? Or you know, if you have yeah. some kind of relationship with the people, you could say, you know what I do, what conference do you think, uh, I'm thinking about putting together a talk on how to make more without working more hours, make more money without working more hours. Like what, what conferences have you been to where that's the kind of thing that might slot in and just get their help, you know, for people who are inside the, the tribe or the community, the circle, like they're already, they know, they just know off the top of their head, like which conferences are awful and which ones are great or, or would be awful for you or great for you. They can probably tell you right off the top of their heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. So then it's like, oh, so here's a list of conferences then that, that you might want to submit a talk to. And I would do a couple of different things. There's there's usually a call for papers somewhere on the website for the conference that is mm-hmm. kind of like the front door for speakers. I don't think I've ever done one of those. I, I think every time I get in, it's because I networked my way or I'm friends with a past speaker and I ask them to put in a good word for me or I'll ask uh, a past speaker like, was the show good? What were was it organized? Were the what were the attendees like? Would you do it again? Oh, you're not doing it this year. Maybe you could introduce me to the speaker, uh, the organizer, and I just get introductions to the organizer and start an email conversation about kind of like a podcast outreach tour where I'd say I've got I've got three topics I could present to an audience like yours. Do any of these seem valuable? And I kind of like write the whole abstract for them so they can immediately visualize like, oh yeah, I could totally just put this right into the program. So you kind of like do their job for them. Emphasis on that. Mm. Do not try a pitch without creating this visual for them about what it would look like. Yeah. 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 And that has always worked for me. I don't think I have ever submitted a call. Sometimes people will say, yes, do it. This sounds great. Can you go submit it through the normal channels? But I've already been kind of Um, pre-approved. So networking 
directly to the organizers, that's pretty hard. But you, if, you, if you've been around in a space for a little while, you might be surprised if you look down the speaker list of a big conference, you're like, oh, I know, I know her. Yes. We used to, you know, we, we met at another conference or we used to work at the same company, even if not at the same time. Well, plus, if you're thinking about speaking, but you haven't really done it yet at a conference, but you know where, you know that there are conferences that you have been attending that you want to speak at. Hello, chat up the organizers when you're there. I mean, they all, usually they even have special name badges so you can see them like across the room. They'll have like a star or a special color or a, a little ribbon, you know? So yeah, you can absolutely do that ahead of time. And, you know, it's not a no-no to just go ahead and apply through the form. It's really hard if it's a big strategic conference, because if everybody wants to speak, there is a process that the committee will go through to pick people and their favorites are going to get on that. It's just Mm. that simple. It's very hard to break through in that way. If you have a smaller conference, much smaller, and, and, you know, I argue generally that's probably where you want to start if you're just getting started, not like super small, but big enough so that you um, you feel like it's worth your time, but small enough so that you have a good chance of getting in, right? With those, you, you know, I would say go ahead and, and if you don't know somebody, just submit through the form. Oh, yeah. Submit. And there's a limit to how many of these you can do only because a lot of them have now gotten, okay, we need to see video. We need to see this. We need yeah. to answer you to answer 20 questions. And you're like, oh, my God, it's going to take me a half a day to fill out this thing. Um, but once you do the first one, it gets easier after that. So, oh, yes, know, don't tip. get discouraged. Yeah. Pro tip. A lot of times when you, when you, uh, you know, you, you you're like, okay, I'm going to apply to this conference, right? And you go in and there's a page and you fill out the form and you submit it and it disappears and it doesn't send you a confirmation email. <laughs> yes. You spent, so do not do that. Write it down first, <laughs> save it because you're going to reuse it almost verbatim, yeah. right? So yeah. Don't, I've made this mistake before. Like, <laughs> like, oh, I typed that thing I typed up was genius and they didn't, you know, like, of course, they didn't send me a confirmation email that included all of my answers, but that I guess, like, subconsciously, that's what I thought was going to happen. So, you know, do it all over again for the next yeah. one. By the way, sidebar, same thing for podcasts. The ones that have these, you know, they've already asked you to be on, but then you have to fill out all this stuff. Yeah. I have gone, like, it's six to eight months on some of these podcasts where between, that's the amount of time between when I fill out their form and when I'm interviewing. It's like, wait a minute. What are we talking about? (laughs) I knew I filled it up, but like, what did I say? What are we talking about? And then you're like frantically looking for it. Just keep it in a, like a Word doc or a Google doc and cut and paste. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 So there's nothing, nothing wrong with call for papers, but I think you can increase your odds, especially when you're trying to break in. uh, If you can network through another speaker or a past speaker and uh, get, get a little bit of a leg up. Well, and uh, one more thing is it, it's just like selling work, really, is look for the holes, like look for things that it seems like they want that aren't being addressed. So um, I'm thinking of um, of a client who was in a male dominated industry and suggested an all female panel. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? That guy that went through with you know, flying colors, right? Because it was different and nobody else was doing it. So look for what you think they want, but they maybe aren't saying directly. Mm -hmm. 
and sometimes proposing that because you're putting yourself in their shoes, not your shoes, their shoes. Hmm. That is key what would make this it. conference even better? Right. Yes. That is the key to getting on a podcast, getting into a conference, like making them look good. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Delivering value to their audience, not embarrassing, like the opposite of embarrassing them. Yes. So that's key. Like you might be on a mission to rid the world of hourly billing, but you need to slide that through a filter or from a an angle that matters to this particular group of, you know, whatever designers or, who, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Right. Right. So you need to kind of tailor it, customize it in a way that doesn't violate your your thing. It's just like, you know, it's just like fully formed when the when the organizer sees like, wow, this is fully formed. It's like a like perfect abstract for the talk. You can even look back at previous talks, like previous conferences and see like how they what the abstract looks like. So like the title, the subtitle, mm-hmm. if there is one, who it's for, prerequisites. Uh, a brief description of like what the talk is going to be, a super tiny sort of legitimacy indicator, credibility indicator about you, like Jonathan Stark, author of Our Billing is Nuts, and a host of you know podcasts, blah blah blah, but short, and and just like here's here's what it would look like, and they see it, and they're like, wow, that looks like he already spoke here. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> do we already have this guy? Right, so. You got to think about it from their perspective. They're trying to put on a good show. They're trying to make their sponsors happy. They're trying to make their audience attendees happy and talk about the show and, and want to come back. So that's your job. Make them look good. And that starts way, way, way at the beginning when you're initially submitting, you know, making your making your request to speak. Well, and let's just mention the flip side. I hate to be Debbie Downer here, but the mm-hmm. flip side is what if you do all this and it's clear that these folks couldn't manage their way out of a paper bag? Oh, like they're um, disorganized? Yeah. And you're yeah. you're doing it, you know, you're doing it on your own dime. We're not talking about when you're being paid to do it. Um, when I, I would just say pay attention to those signals. And it's not like you want to, you know, suddenly back out three days beforehand. But very early on, pay attention to those signals because they need to help you to do the best for that audience. And if they're not willing to talk to you or to share information about the audience, about what they want, about how they're putting it together, that is a red flag. Mm-hmm. Just pay That's really true. close attention to that. Yeah. Yep. Um, you just said something that reminded me. Oh, you said drop out three days before. So, so here's another, this is sort of like maybe jumping a little bit back to attendees, but like this it's not uncommon for a speaker to not be able to make it for some reason at the last minute. Mm-hmm. So if you are an attendee or if you're if the conference is local to you, I would recommend reaching out to the organizers in advance. Say, hey, I know the show's coming up. Just wanted to let you know I'm going to be in town during the conference or maybe I'm going to be at the conference. And if anybody backs out, uh, let me know because I've got a talk ready to go. This, you know, it's kind of like a pitch, but it's really late in the game. And you're like, I'll be the understudy, essentially. If anybody right. drops out, let me know. And and so I, I suggested this to one of my students recently. And guess what? Someone backed out <laughs> and they picked him. And he ended up he had to end up doing the presentation remotely. And they were still were like, yeah, that's fine. That's better than us telling everybody who paid all this money. Oh, sorry, this speaker couldn't come at the last minute. So we're going to have yeah. one of the other speakers do the same talk twice or something. Yeah, uh, that, exactly. Yeah, that can actually work. And even if they don't pick you and no one backs out, maintain that relationship. 
You know, it's like you, yeah. you reached out and said, hey, you know, if you need a lifeline, let me know. I'm going to be in town. I'll, I'll, I'll be ready for the call if you need it. Otherwise, have a great show. You know, maybe I'll run into you at the, at the hotel. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to make speaking an important part of your business model, whether it's paid or unpaid, then you want to take advantage of all of these things. You're treating it like a business and you're treating them like your client. And this, these are the mm-hmm. kinds of things you can do. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Treat them like a client almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and they, they are. I mean, if you're, if you're getting paid for speeches, um, they are your client. Let's talk about paid, right? Yeah. So, so let's say you start to break in. Speaking for myself, I probably, if I got paid for my first few talks, it was negligible. It might have been like free ticket to the show and like free hotel room or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was like so, especially when I, once I went solo, but even before I went solo, when I knew that speaking and writing books, speaking at conferences and writing books was like the magic combination for people like me. I would have done it for free, for sure. And and maybe mm-hmm. I don't remember how many I did for free. It might have been a whole year of of on my own dime, or maybe they just paid for the flight, or, or 300 bucks for the flight and the rest you cover, um, which tells you how long ago it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, do it, right? Because I, I just knew it was right. an investment in my business. I knew it was. I just trusted that it was going to be worth it. Um, and eventually, and then people always say, like, like when should I start? charging and i say like when you start getting sick of it and just and you're getting you're getting requests it didn't take very long and this was before mobile which was really my my hockey stick moment but even before that i was getting um called called back you know like hey could you speak again this year hey could you come back or we're mm-hmm. running another conference we're running the same conference in toronto instead of new york could you want to do the toronto one also it happens it happened within it, I don't know, maybe a year, you know, a year or two, 18 months Mm -hmm. when organizers like, we can trust this person. We want to have them back. We want to have them at the other location. Like I probably spoke at web directions in, I don't know, six different countries. So you start to get on the circuit. That's what I mean. Like people are like, you start to see the same speakers after a while uh, at the speaker dinners and stuff. And at the point at which I started, you know, because for me, it was pure marketing. Uh, the point where I started charging was when I was like, you know, you're really going to have to pay me to go do this. Like, I do not want to do this. <laughs> I was just sick of it, you know, it, not sick of it. It's still fun, but it was a little bit, it was becoming a grind. I was like, you know, not digging the air, you know, whatever. And I was like, yeah, how much money would it take to get me there? Five grand, mm-hmm. 10 mm-hmm. grand, whatever it was. And then just say it and not care if you don't get it. Right. Um, the other thing is... Uh, when someone would say, ah, that's outside of our budget for, you know, these slots. And I'd say, well, what can you do for me? And, and, you know, is there, are you, are you going to have someone do a high quality video of the talk that I can use afterwards? Are you going to, um, publish this on a YouTube channel? Are you going to send, how big is your mailing list? Are you going to promote me specifically on your mailing list? Can I include some links in your mailing list? You know, like what kind of promotional consideration can I get out of the, uh, out of the engagement to kind of maximize the impact of the investment. So I would happily kind of negotiate those sorts of things. Uh, in you can also negotiate or- a book buy, which is always kind of backwards to me, because if you're if you have a conventionally published book, you might make a dollar a book. 
So they're spending $20 on a book, you're getting a dollar versus $20 and you're getting it all. Mm. Um, but sometimes conferences have separate budgets for book buys. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah, I would ask that question about the books. Um, I, I also I had another, here's another one. If they're going to, if they'll organize a book signing, then that would be interesting to me. I've done that mm -hmm. a few times where it's not just you. There's like a, there's almost like a little, you know, mini Barnes and Noble setup. This is, I think this is probably O'Reilly conferences because they had so many authors uh, and they were their own books. So they, you know, they organize say, okay, from like, you know, 10 to three or whatever. No, it was never that long. It was like, like for 45 minutes, you know, I'll be outside signing books at the, at the, the bookstore, air quotes, bookstore. Mm -hmm. And that's good for, that's a good look, you know, authority wise people come up to you later and say like, uh, like, oh, you know, because they obviously you're, you're an author. They see that you're an author. Maybe they already saw you speak. It's like a real good icebreaker. People will come up and be like, oh, you know, what was it like to write a book? Or what's it like writing a book for O'Reilly? Or, you know, whatever. It's a great icebreaker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, what else do they do? What are some other things? I never I never thought of a book buy. That's interesting. I mean, you can, you can also have people in the back of the room selling your book if you want, but usually you have to organize that yourself. Yeah. Um, well, now the book buy is interesting because conference organize, organizers still don't seem to understand that most authors don't make very much money on their books. But there are some people who they're, they want the books in people's hands. So you might be willing to take a lot less in cash if you're going to move 100 books or 500 books. Yeah, that's true. It just yeah. depends. Everybody's a little bit different on that. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, again, it's that strategic choice. What what would you rather? Is this more about having cash because you're tired of traveling and they've got to pay you a lot of money to fly across the country and do this for three days? And it is three days, even if you speak for 45 minutes, it's no. three days. Yeah. It's, you know, how do you, what kind of compensation do you want for that versus I have an idea, I want it to spread. If I can get people to read my book, it's worth it to me. Mm -hmm. to get on the plane and do that. Yeah, right. So there's a strategic question to be answered um, about how how the sort of idea of attending conferences or speaking at conferences fits into your business model. You know, is that, I mean, plenty of people yeah. that's, they love being on stage. They, they, they thrive there and it's like they, and they're primarily a speaker, right? And like, that's their main income. Yeah. And they sell programs or whatever, or people if they want more, you know, kind of like inspirational or leadership speaker and they go around and like, they'll do, you know, 50 or 100 talks a year. Like that's their job. Oh, Tom Peters. I mean, oh, he's yeah. written how many books? 20, 30, something like that. And he, you know, until COVID anyway, he lived on the stage and he certainly seems to thrive by it. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it's his thing. Right. Yeah. So that I feel like that that certainly has not been. I think yeah, either one of us had never done that. And I feel like we're kind of subtly or maybe not so subtly advocating for more of a not not direct income. It's more of a connections and marketing and, and authority building exercise the way that certainly the way I used to do it. It was really more about creating relationships and building authority and credibility in the space and becoming the, you know, the recognized expert, AKA an authority. Yeah. You know, there were other people that were good at it, but I was the recognized expert for a very particular thing. So if you wanted that particular thing, I was the first per person you would think of. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just really important to think about the business model and um, you can absolutely have speaking be a chunk of your revenue. I think a lot of times people overestimate the challenge of doing that, right? Because you've got to work your way up 
typically, unless you write a blockbuster and then you have instant authority. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to work your way up, you know, 500, 1,000, 5,000, 10,000, 20. You know, how much do you need to be a speaker? Well, if, if, if you're doing 20,000 and you're doing 10 a year, that's 200,000 from your speaking. If that's, you know, a fine model for you, great, but that's not enough diversification. What consulting are you doing? What products are you selling? Uh, What training are you delivering? What books are you writing? So you just, you always want to think about this in terms of how will speaking drive ultimately your business model. And maybe right now it's not a big driver. Maybe you're just putting a toe in the water or maybe it's where you're getting most of your clients. Or at some point you might be the consulting speaker, author person, right? Where you've got a foot in each space and you know you use the occasional speaking and books to drive big ticket consulting sales. Right. Yeah, there's so many different ways you can design this thing. Right, right. And that you just described, like that was my that third one, the the three mm-hmm. prong thing. That was the yep. the model I fell into because it was the only one I was aware of, and it it would seem doable and it worked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So God, I'm I'm looking at the clock. We I could I know. go for another hour on this, but we should probably uh, probably wrap it up if people want to hear more or have. This would be a great a great one for people to send in questions on. So yeah. Yeah. So if you've got questions and you can record like a little audio file and email it to me, we we're overdue for a questions show. So that would be maybe this would be a good one to follow up on. Yeah. And I think we have a couple in the mailbag. Yes. <laughs> can add to it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Cool. All right. Well, let's leave it there for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.